With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Bonjour, mes amis. Ed McGrogan here. Once again, Tennis in 10 podcast. Looking back on day two of Roland Garros, where you had the top two contenders for the men's side, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal in action, and both taking care of business um, you know, without too much difficulty. You had uh, Rafa playing Benoit Paire, getting the Frenchman um, in, in a first-rounder. Uh, but really, you know, didn't let the crowd get into this one as, you know, the, always the potential lies when you're playing an opponent who in, in, in the country uh, where he resides. Um, no issues for Rafa, who, who, you know, continued to, you know, picked up right where he left off in Madrid, basically. Only lost on clay this year in Rome. Um, but certainly the confident shot making, um, you know, and, and really just the ability to kind of keep his opponent suppressed the whole match. A pair who has that potential with kind of his, um, you know, redlining ground strokes, just unable to get any sort of uh, momentum going here. And then, you know, even more impressive, perhaps in some ways, was Novak Djokovic because, you know, Let's leave Andre Agassi and his coaching corner aside for a moment, but we just, you know, Djokovic is is really still in many respects a question mark as he returns to Paris, you know, for the first time since his title win a year ago. Um, but against Granollers, who who definitely who obviously got more games off of off of Djokovic, uh, you know, he he lost six three six four six two, still a straight setter and. Djokovic, I thought, with the backhand, um, that was, you know, I, I think when he is hitting that with sort of the, you know, effortless execution that you see many players hit their forehands with, that's when you know I think Djokovic is is feeling a little bit better about his game. And I, and I thought that was the case for the great majority of this match, um, even though it was um, obviously a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more involved in terms of just, you know, what was required to, to take it in straights. Probably, you know, I think it was referenced on Tennis Channel that, you know, this might not be a bad thing for Djokovic to kind of get, you know, just have an opportunity to hit 8, 10 shot points and just find that groove again. Um, so, you know, n- no issues for the top two men. Um, and on the women's side, you know, we I think there was some normalcy as well there too after obviously Angelique Kerber losing yesterday the the uh the top seed on the WTA side. I mean you have um Garban Muguruza who probably is even more of a question mark than Djokovic because, you know, again, another defending champion, but someone who has been has proven very unreliable since winning in Paris last year. 
Um, you know, gets an interesting first rounder against Francesca Schiavone, who won Roland Garros uh, years ago, 2010, and takes her out two and four. I mean, as she should. This is, you know, this is a 12 year age difference. Someone who clearly is, you know, playing toward the prime of her career as opposed to someone on the way out. Um, so for Muguruza, that was, I think, you know, a nice, a nice opening statement there. Just to, you know, not even a statement. I think that's a horribly overused word. I sincerely apologize for that. Uh, just a good opening performance period. Um, and, and many of the other top seeds, I think, showed that too. Raonich, 3-4-2 over Darsis. Um, you know, Wozniacki, the 11 seed. She goes three sets with a wild card, a very low-ranked junior wild card, Jamie Forless, um, who maybe we'll hear from down the road, but taking Wozniacki three sets. Uh, but Wozniacki, you know, gets that done. Karolina Pliskova, um, the number two seed, and now the you know the, the highest seed on the women's side. No problems. Seven five six two over Shui Zhang. Um, yeah, there were not too many upsets today overall. Go fan number ten seed two two and two over Mathieu. Um, it was a very thorough day across the board. It, the play actually wrapped up around 9 p.m. Uh, Paris time, which is actually a little early, even a little before that, um, which is a bit unusual for this slam, which tends to push the envelope in terms of playing time, lighting. Um, even though there is really not uh, no lighting, it's all based on the sun. Uh, but they they really have gone the pretty late into the night. Sometime it was. So it was something a surprise when you saw Zverev, Alexander Zverev and um, Fernando Verdasco go split the first two sets and then immediately call the match with definitely a little bit more uh, time to still play there. Um, so, it, you know, in, in terms of day two in that respect, it, I would say this was, this was a pretty, you know, a pretty conventional day in that regard. I thought I really thought the Americans were the story of day two, and we and we did write a lot about that over tennis.com. And I and I and what I would say to that is because, and I'll be the first one to admit that the sort of impetus to write about the American players just for the sake of them being American is something I've never understood, never really enjoyed doing um, on on our site or even seeing on other sites. I mean, there's. There are a lot of different nationalities. This is a, this is as global a game as as it gets. I think it's worth um, showcasing that by writing about as many players as possible and not having sort of the you know inevitable first round look back, second round preview, third round. Oh, this is the last American left in the draw. Um, you know pieces that you see all the time, um, even though it's an American centric site, of course, but. I thought today it was it was worth writing about a few of them because their matches were just simply the most compelling. Um, you had Steve Johnson first of all, who we mentioned in yesterday's podcast. He um, his match he failed to serve out his match yesterday against Segura. Um, comes back today in the fifth set and eventually does serve it out. And, and more, you know, the real story there is is Johnson, you know, doing all this despite. Um, you know, a very tragic uh, event, losing his father just um, in his sleep, uh, just turned 58, Steve Johnson Sr. Um, you know, obviously a, a very difficult situation for the, for, um, you know, for Johnson to deal with there. And, you know, that was really what you read about, uh, what you heard from him in his press conference, um, 
you know, very revealing stuff from, uh, you know, a, a player who, as he said, tennis is, is clearly secondary at this point. Um, Steve Tigner has, you know, a really great piece on this. He talked with Steve Johnson and his father, um, uh, for a couple magazine pieces last year. And, and I think Steve's insight on, on Steve Johnson is, is something that you probably are not going to really see too much too you know, too many other places because, you know, of, of kind of the uh, level of conversation they had. Um, it's a very strong piece. And I, I really do implore you to check that out. And, um, you know, I was looking around today kind of assessing, you know, when it comes to the first round of these events, you kind of have to pick your battles. You know, where do you want to write about? What's really, you know, what is what comes off the page when you see, when you have practically 50, 60 matches going on per day? And for me, it was what Jennifer Brady did against Christina Wodenovich and what Donald Young did against David Ferrer. Um, they both lost, but they lost in absolute heartbreaking fashion um, in overtime, as I put it. Uh, 9-7 in the third for Brady against Wendenovich, who's a top-seeded French woman. You know, both players, I think, feeling the nerves of that one, um, given the pressure and the moment and the stage. And then Donald Young against David Ferrer, you know, on court 17, well off of where Ferrer was playing not that long ago. He was in Long Island Chatre. He's a former French Open finalist. Um he, uh, but he's still, you know, at 35, he's still, he's number 30 now in the seating and still just, you know, the game hasn't changed. You know, the, the results may have, uh, but the game, you, you know what you're getting with Ferrer. He wins 13, 11 in the fifth. And I thought the the perfect way to end it was how it just happened was, you know, as I put it earlier, make him hit one more ball, the David Ferrer story. And I mean, he ends up he on the, on his third match point. Young is approaching the net. Point looks to be saved again, but a stab lob from Ferrer, you know, drifts back, lands in, and Young's kind of caught off guard by it and puts it right in the net. Um, so Ferrer at 35, winning, um, winning a four-hour, 26-minute match. I thought it was a great one to watch. Hey, I thought those were two of the best matches today. Um, and why not? While I'm here, we'll mention two other Americans. Uh, just because I, you know, these are upset losses, Jack Sock and Coco Vandeweghe out in the first round. Uh, that's it for day two of the Tennis in 10 podcast. We'll be back, obviously, tomorrow in under 10 minutes. Talk about day three. Thank you for listening. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.